If you're enjoying Night Faces, please check out our Patreon subscriptions for access to soundtracks, cool merch items, bonus episodes of Night Faces, and our Patreon-exclusive award-winning anthology series, Middle West. Fan support helps us to continue making these shows and is greatly appreciated. Welcome. Half Bad Productions presents Night Faces. Episode 1, The Presence of Rage I'm not sure I can start this early in the day, Jerry. Delilah, barely 19 years old, pushes a shot of clear liquor back across the bar. An incredibly large man with a thick Polish accent swiftly pulls it to his lips, knocks it back, and then laughs. He's wearing a collared camo shirt lined with tiny aerated holes to keep his body from overheating though his brow is dripping with sweat already. The windows to the bar are open, and the heavy summer air slowly moves in and out, without breeze, without forgiveness. Oh, you are a good girl, I guess, he says with a harmless chuckle. Even his laugh is thick with accent. Delilah smiles and begins to stand, her feet now inches away from the sticky spirits lining the bar, not yet wiped clean. Her feet arched into five-inch platforms. They balance on top of the slick surface as she snaps up with a certain amount of poise, maybe from her years of ballet as a child, but mostly from her fear of falling six feet to the ground and breaking her leg like Michelle did two weeks ago. It's hard to strip with a cast. Delilah looks as young as she is. She always looked older than her age when she was a child, which caused all sorts of trouble. Now she has grown into her body, but holds that innocence in her face. Not hardened at all, but probably on her way there. She has high cheekbones and large eyes, the kind that sit a little deeper and won't fare well through the years. She has full lips and a small chin that's accentuated by her short haircut that keeps her neck a showcase. Slender, topless, a shimmering skirt made of three inches of sheer fabric hanging beneath her hip bones. Night Faces, the local strip club, seemingly named in the same fashion all strip clubs are named, but less offensive than Boners, which is about 30 miles east and pretty rough, employs Delilah five days a week. The establishment sits 10 miles off the main drag on the side of a county road with cornfields across the way. It's a small spot with a bar that has the best fried pickles around, 
and wood paneling on the walls. A motel is attached with 10 rooms and six small cottages that are available to rent. The cottages back up to a large field that grows wild in the summer. Milkweed, goldenrod, and white daisies are scattered before a large pine forest where the property ends. The bar is at capacity every weekend. Of course, the entertainment helps, but Night Faces is as family-friendly as a strip joint gets. Husbands and wives come in together for the deep-fried dinners and dollar-rail cocktails, taking leftover styrofoam containers home to the kids and driving down country roads with $10 worth of cheap whiskey in their system. Delilah has known most of the patrons her whole life, except for the occasional out-of-towner. Delilah walks away from the bar, away from Jerry, one of her most loyal regulars, who owns a small bar and grill in a sister town not far off, with an excellent fish fry. The bar transitions to a T-shape with a long peninsula for a stage. There are chairs and small round tables on either side, and then a longer horizontal stage with silver swaying curtains behind it. Above the stage, there is a neon sign that reads, Night Faces. Below it, a fluorescent silhouette. Four faceless profiles, glowing each in different colors, with the light changing and dancing between them. Smoke hangs in the air and makes the silver curtains glow, while the neon sign, subdued by the haze, almost shines the words in double exposure, once clear and sharp with bright pink and purple, and then again, a second, more ghostly cast of Easter blues and soft lilac. Delilah disappears behind the silver curtain to a short hallway. On one side is a dressing room with six thrifted upholstered chairs, propped in front of large mirrors with round glowing lights, small vanities, each different than the other, and makeup sponges and glitter splayed across them all. On the other side of the hallway, there's one room with a dark curtain for a door. Two stools, a small table, burned candles, the wax growing from the antique furniture like mushrooms from bark after days of rain. Delilah pops into the dressing room after quickly glancing at the curtain doorway, closing her eyes tightly and feeling a faint twist in her stomach of absolute dread. Miles away, Cross packs a suitcase in his upscale apartment, private, with no roommates. He lives in Chicago, where his parents also reside, and up until now, he's been working toward a degree in criminal justice. His father worked as a police officer in Chicago for 40 years, the last 20 of which he was detective, recently retired and incredibly proud for his son to continue on in his footsteps. Cross has short, dark blonde hair, a pointed chin, and a light film of blue over his mostly dark green eyes. He's regular height with a smaller build and he's naturally fit, as in he really doesn't have to try at all, and so far beer and burgers for dinner each night hasn't weighed him down, though in a certain amount of time he can imagine looking like his dad. A good looking face with a rounded pot belly that spills over his belt buckle. Cross's morning runs probably help to keep him from this fate, but to him they serve only as attention release and time to think less for physicality and more for his mental well-being. At 24, Cross has spent some time in school, but an even larger amount of time traveling. Europe mostly, but he's also spent some time in Asia. His path hasn't been as straightforward as his parents would have hoped. He's got an alright relationship with his folks. He spent summers with his dad, traveling and fishing. 
exploring wooded paths far from the city. His dad needed an escape from the pressure and darker parts of his career, and on the rare occasion, by the campfire, he would even share those, mostly unspeakable, nightmares with Cross. Maybe he felt safety or nostalgia by the glowing embers, the burnt marshmallow remnants discarded on the ground. It felt more like telling ghost stories, more appropriate. But Cross knew the stories were real. Criminals, murder, the scenes his dad described, the parts he skipped over, that he imagined for himself, all that his dad had experienced. In those moments, they needed each other most. His dad needed the release, and Cross needed the connection, even the fear. It shaped him. Cross throws his toiletries on top of his neatly folded clothes and zips up his suitcase. Outside, a cab is laying on the horn and it's echoing through the streets. He rushes down the stairwell and opens the door to a wave of hot air and the distinct smell of garbage and piss. Chicago in the summer. He's never been more ready to leave. He throws his suitcase in the trunk and hops in while directing the cab to the train station. He'll take the Amtrak to a much smaller station in Wisconsin. It's about 20 miles from a rural town where he and his dad had camped when he was around 10. He remembered the trip well, staying on a campsite right on the beach, the air humid and heavy with fire and brush smog. He had mosquito bites from head to toe. Cross rented a cottage for the summer to take some time away after flunking out of his classes this last semester. He's arranged to meet a woman named Magda, who will drive him to his newly appointed summer hideaway. While making plans and googling rentals in the small town of West Sal, he didn't pull up much that wasn't located on Main Street. Old buildings with failing businesses below and apartments above, burn marks in the carpet, yellow walls, once white. He honestly wasn't interested in spending his time in town anyway. He was looking for something in the country. He was looking for something to spark a feeling he hadn't had since he was a kid. Magda owned a bar, a motel, and a few cottages. She was sweet on the phone, if not a little low-pitched and crass. What did you say your name was? She inquired when he'd called the bar about the rental. It's Cross. Cross Hastling. I wanted to reserve a cottage for the summer. He heard rustling around, typing. She paused for a few minutes, mumbling to herself all the while. He heard her heavy breaths, the deep inhale of a cigarette. Okay, son, we've got a vacancy here. You know there's been a lot going on, but you'll be welcome at the bar. I give special attention to folks renting. At the end of their conversation, after many questions regarding Cross's family and his studies and his life in general, Magda not only had Cross booked for the summer, but offered to pick him up at the train station. Magda was prompt to retrieve him, holding a sign with his name, although there was no one else there. You didn't say how cute you were on the phone. Oh, yeah, I like to leave that out. It's more of a pleasant surprise. Or, you know, up for interpretation, he joked. Cross had gotten far with a shy bone that had a clever way of masking a certain amount of conceit. Magda walked over to him with open arms for a hug, as if she were a beloved aunt that he'd been visiting every summer for years. Cross embraced her awkwardly. 
a stiff smell of harsh cigarette smoke overwhelming him immediately. Married with a combination of deep fryer grease and musky Dollar Tree perfume. Somehow the mixture felt soft and safe to cross, although not familiar. Not like his own mother, who had more of the person version of new car smell. Chanel, lemon cleaning solution, and boutique candles. Clean, crisp, sterile. Loving within reason. A tight grip on your shoulder during the family portrait photo session. Standing tall behind and above you, his mother wasn't emotional. She corrected missteps professionally. Cross didn't put her on a pedestal in his mind. He more so understood that she was the pedestal. Magda had dark, almost black hair, curled tight, not natural. Swept up the base of her neck, her skin olive-toned, her eyes dark and deep green, but hard to see through the thick wrinkles in her large hooded eyelids adorned with curled, jet-black, glued-on eyelashes. Cross imagined that she was pretty in her younger years, but not extraordinary. She's tall and very slim. Blue and green veins run down her skinny bare arms. Hop in, honey. It's only a short drive. They made their way through winding country roads, forested hallways, and then open fields of corn and barns and oversized equipment the air rushing around the car in a fury, the windows down. Obviously no AC to speak of. Cross felt for a moment at peace, at peace with the distance between himself and his parents, in the city, the expectations, the failures, the trajectory of his life that felt so unnerving. He was ready to crack a beer and settle into something else. They pull into a gravel parking lot, the motel sign is on, but barely noticeable against the bright sun outburning it. There's another sign competing for visibility. Neon tubing, wrapping around into glowing cursive letters. It reads, Night Faces. Below it, Topless Dancing. And a silhouette of a woman, arched back, hair down, breast pointed upward toward the blue summer sky. Magda looks over at Cross and observes his reaction. Oh honey, what? It's harmless. I love my girls, and we've got the best fried pickles for miles. Domestics are $2.50, but you can get them for two since you're staying with us for the summer. Friday night, $1 rails and a fish fry. Cross looks at Magda, and then puts his head down to laugh to himself. Comes with a roll and slaw. Cross looks up and meets her eyes again. They look knowing and eager at the same time. Sounds fucking perfect. The sirens wailed. It felt right to hear the relentless screams in the air, held there by a light mist of rain that almost stopped and hung above the gravel parking lot, suspended just long enough to create an eerie echo of the sound, blue and red whipping around and around. The parking lot was full now. Spectators had joined in. The cottages had emptied out, wives with robes barely holding on, rubbing the sleep from their eyes. Magda's girls had gone home several hours earlier, and she paced in front of her office as more police cars pulled in. They weren't hasty. No need. It was a hunter who had found the body. He had been out early in the morning with his dog, 
He said he was hunting rabbit. The forest behind the bar was deep and filled with dark green pine and hardwood. Small ditches rose and fell. Slippery jack mushrooms sprung from beneath the pine needles. Many trees had snapped in half and fell sideways, creating a kind of labyrinth in the forest. New growth, dead, and the dying all beneath the canopy. Bark peeling like old siding weathered away. His dog came upon the body first. When he saw him spring forward and dart, he pulled his rifle. This was their dance. But his gun immediately felt heavy. He sensed that it wasn't a rabbit waiting for him. He walked toward the dog cautiously and with a knowing that all hunters have of the smell of death. He didn't have to get too close. He saw hair matted in deep cranberry red, small wrists bruised heavy, the rest a blur, running, screaming for help, calling the dog, whose snout was covered in blood and curiosity. He felt scared as he burst through the forest, yelling out into the morning light. He was crying now, but he hadn't noticed the tears and burning deep in his sinuses and chest. He hadn't cried since he had watched his wife walk down the aisle toward him 30 years earlier. A veil covering his favorite face, unclothed just for him. He hadn't cried when they found her cancer, or when she beat it. But he felt it now, his cheeks stained with the pain of being in the true presence of rage. He reached the Night Faces parking lot and turned the corner past the cottages. He was met immediately. Magda, who he knew well, who had helped his wife make sense of some things in the darkness, was already waiting for him. She held a small silk handkerchief and was running her hands through it over and over again, her eyes full of tears, the mist now beginning. Magda, there's, there's a body in the woods, not but a mile in. Magda looked at his blushed face, the dog whimpering at his feet. God damn it, Henry, I know. Don't you think I know? She looks out to the forest. The siren screams start. Magda grabs the dog's snout, rubs the blood away with the handkerchief, and slides it into her pocket. Hi, I'm Isabel, the creator, writer, and voice behind Night Faces, and I want to take a moment to talk to you about Apollo Plus. Night Faces recently joined the Apollo Plus exclusive roster. What that means is that you can listen to the show ad-free, gain early access to new episodes and seasons, 
more on that later, and a bunch of other cool stuff. And don't worry, you can still listen to Night Faces for free on your favorite podcast apps. This is just one way you can help support us. Apollo Plus is a creator-owned platform where every subscriber helps audio fiction creators. When you subscribe, you are supporting not only your favorite shows, but probably your soon-to-be new favorite shows, too. There's so much to discover there. And the exclusive content you have access to comes from a curated catalog of top-notch audio fiction. Not only that, but creators receive 70% of their revenue on Apollo Plus, so that they can create a new series or another season of your favorite show, all thanks to you. Join Apollo Plus through the Apollo Podcast app or by going to apollopods.com.